Welcome to the Van Hack Podcast, the podcast for tech talent that wants to get hired abroad. And Hello, everyone. Yeah, we're live. Hello. Hey. Hi, everyone. I'm Justice Gray, uh, VP of Engineering of Rocket Place. I'm very, very happy to be here and excited to be here today uh, to talk to all of you. Yeah, so we guys have a special, special treat here. We have someone who's, um, you know, been there, done that uh, on the tech side and is an expert in, um, you know, building building tech companies, building products, working in Canada, and also um, hiring van hackers. So before we get started, guys, just a quick sound check. Is everything working? If you could just say in the chats, like, where you're from as a confirmation that it's working. So I see some people from Colombia, from Mexico. Uh, Brazil, Venezuela, and Peru. Uh, awesome to see such diverse uh, c countries uh, here. So if you guys can just say, you know, where where you're from, and and we'll get we'll get right into it. Brazil, Mexico, Brazil actually. Florianopolis. Oh, what a beautiful place. Great. Thanks, David. Patricia. Hey, Marcelo from Saskatoon. Is that Marcelo who got hired? Uh, Van Hacker got hired. Great Philippines. Iran, wow, Israel, shalom. Uh, <laughs> awesome, Barbados, wow, so cool. Um, all right, namaste. Hola, Pinley, hello. Nice to see you again, man. Just saw his name in the chat. That's great. Who's that? Olu, Olu Kunle, uh from Olu Nigeria. Kunle. Yeah. And, yeah. and Louis, hello too. I, I, now, there's probably a bunch of names I recognize here. It's fantastic to see you guys today. <laughs> nice. We actually have one of our other. Um, Van Hackcon participants um, who talked about how he got hired as a, as a leader um, in his company in Canada. Uh, so Marcelo, he's actually a successful Van Hacker. Um, got, got a job and relocated to Saskatoon. He's here hanging out with us. Um, that's, that's awesome. Ivana from Serbia, really cool. Okay, well, let's get into it. So uh, without further ado, Justice, welcome to Van Hackcon. Thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you uh, for having me. Yeah, we're stoked. So let, just maybe like quickly give us a background. Um, when did you start coding? Uh, what's your kind of oh, sure. high level uh, background? I'd love to. Uh, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. I started coding a long time ago. Uh, I actually was coding in when I was very young. My dad, my dad was lucky enough to score a very old computer that's well before any of you guys were born. And he saw that I was actually the computer came with a tutorial about how to use the keyboard, but also how to program. So clearly, whoever wrote this tutorial was a very graphically intense thing. So it was very cool for a kid, but it taught it taught children how to program too. And my father saw that I was really keen on this, and so he actually bought me one of these old school like basic coding books kind of thing. And I got I was into it pretty much since that time. Um, in university. I went into comp sci. Actually, I was going to go into some, you know, uh, medicine stuff. My dad said to me, hey, do you know, do you think you'd actually like that? Like, what's your backup plan? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm going to do med like everybody else. And then he recommended to me, he said, you know what? And it changed, It definitely was the best thing that happened in my life. One of the best pieces of advice I got. He said, you know what? You're very passionate about computer science. Maybe you also want to try having something that you like doing. And so I went into computer science and the rest is history. I've been coding basically since then for the last 20 years um, and then gradually um, going in different directions with my career from coder to team lead to founder to VPN, CTO, et cetera. So I've, I've, I've worn a lot of hats also in terms of the full company lifecycle. I've done a lot of hiring. 
Um, I'm doing hiring right now for Rocket Place as part of my role as VP of Engineering as well. So I've been pretty experienced. I've been I've been hiring for companies now, probably for the last 15 years. Um, and you know my approach has evolved a little bit over time. But you know I've I've definitely seen lots lots of different things in that time in terms of how to hire, what to look for, what I'm looking for in candidates, etc. Fantastic. Um, and. Well, before we dive into that, like maybe just give people a little bit of an idea. I think everyone's always curious what kind of um, like technologies you're most passionate about, the this current stack. Like, uh, oh sure, yeah. I do. So I, I generally, so my own my own personal technology biases run heavily toward uh, JavaScript, different stuff in JavaScript, uh, React in particular. <laughs> I quite like. Um, in the server side, my first love is probably Rails, Ruby on Rails. Uh, I do have a lot of appreciation for Python, which I'm sure I'll be talking about later in this talk too, potentially. And I, I came, I came up as, uh, for many of you who probably can resonate, I came up as a .NET, .NET person, so that's actually kind of my quote unquote mother tongue, so to speak. Like I, that's where I uh, built my programming experience off of first uh, before kind of branching out into other languages. Very cool, very cool. And and one thing I want to maybe touch on off the top is this idea that. Like a senior JavaScript developer or a senior Ruby developer, you're just a senior developer who can use the different tools. What do you think yes. about that? Like, are you looking I, when you're interviewing people? Are you language agnostic or are you focused on specific skills? You know, I think. Um, sorry, I'm just taking a quick cut and paste here of some questions for later. But yeah, I think um, for for me, I actually generally heavily agree with the engineering programming languages are tools. Uh, I find that. Any anyone who is a seasoned software engineer understands fundamental concepts like unit testing, you know, proper ways to do object oriented or functionally oriented programming. And at that point in time, you adapt there. Like, for example, if you know how to write an API, you'll figure out how to write an API, whether it's in .NET, Python or Node. It, it, there, there, there are concepts that are pretty much the same, no matter what language you're actually using. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I do think that it, now this depends, though, on how you are how you are looking at uh, like for example locally versus um, and I know this just from different companies I tend to look for just generally good software engineers because a generally good software engineer uh, to give you guys some background one person we hired through van hack who's excellent amazing uh, wonderful person and wonderful engineer did not know one of the two so we use react and Python as the primary and Django as the primary language stacks at Rocket Place. This person didn't have necessarily a lot of experience with Python, but had actually shown the initiative to learn some of it while she was at her current job. And when we gave her a small technical assignment, she did excellently on it. And so we didn't care. Like, like at that point, I, I, I'm not concerned about, oh my goodness, can you answer me this trivia of what decorator this is in Django? That doesn't, that's not a worthwhile question for me to ask because I, I trust you can figure that stuff out as an engineer. Um, I do. I do think fundamentals where you write good code, you write readable code. You know, you write things where I, I look at and say I would enjoy working with this person. Those are more important to me. And overall, in I would say high quality organizations, that's what you will see. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so just quick, quick check in with with everyone here online with us. Just want to make sure, like, are you guys enjoying? How, how, I, I'm stoked. Are anyone else here stoked? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. People are like, "This is terrible. Get him off the stage." <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's pretty rare, I have to say, like to have someone who's 
you know, interviewed hundreds of engineers, hired probably dozens, giving us this perspective, guys. So oh, great. You know, no, I'm very happy. Like are who you want to impress to be able to get hired in Canada, right? So um, <laughs> David says he's enjoying it. Atul as well says yes. Um, Rodrigo, that's fantastic. That's that's amazing. And I, another another great old school reference. If anyone used a sharp EL9300 calculator as well, please feel free to share that in the chat. We'll have lots of bonding time later. <laughs> oh, there's there's a couple. Of, I, I did actually when I when I had in terms of just relative old school references, I actually when I was in high school, that was when the era of programmable calculators first started. And I learned how to program. I, well, because I had already done stuff in basic, I had actually programmed myself like how to solve quadratics and how to solve conics, right? So, which is typical high school arithmetic in Canada. Yeah. And so it was great because, of course, I'm saving myself bunches of time on these things. It actually printed out all the work for me, too. So I could like, you know, when they say show your work, I could show all the intermediate calculations, all that kind of thing. It was great. I love I love that kind of stuff. We did all sorts of kind of weird hacking stuff on the calculators back then. It was really neat. <laughs> that, that's that's uh can't say i did that myself i was uh <laughs> not, not quite that skilled with the calculator um but that that's awesome i mm -hmm. i uh let's let's go quickly before we dive into kind of sure. like how to impress uh vp engineering and ctos and interviews <laughs> let's talk about the problem which is there's mm -hmm. a lack of tech talent in north america mm -hmm. um as a as a hiring manager someone who's looking to fill their team how is your experience when you post a job and you're looking to hire a senior developer? And, and for context, um, Justice is in Vancouver, mm -hmm. but I'm guessing you're open to hire some people mm -hmm. anywhere in America. Yep. But yeah, how, how, did, how does that, like, tell me about the pain. Well, I think, I think so to give you guys an example, when we hired, um, when we hired our first hire from VanHack, we had actually screened out about another 25 engineers uh, locally. Uh, our, I, I don't want to say our standard, like our standards are high because we're a small company right now and, and core, core team growth is important. But even then, subsequently, after when we were looking for people, we screened out another, oh, I would say 60 to 65 people before, before finding a fourth engineer. Uh, and that's, that's simply because of the nature of the work that we had. Um, I find it, I find it just to be mostly that there's, I think depending on the opportunities you have, and someone here has addressed this in the questions, uh, Renat, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, I'll talk a bit about this after. Some of it comes down to the opportunities people have had professionally before. And depending on the kind of, as we all know, there's kind of a roll of the dice in the software field in terms of where, if you've worked at a quality organization before and people who are focused on your growth, there you you can take you don't have to be quite as self-directed i mean self-directed is always important I, I, to be clear and especially when you are trying to move countries uh, self-direction and the ability to be self-directed is insanely important especially as you are likely right now in the current world situation going to be remote right no one they, there's a little bit of a different time and an expectation of relative independence um from that I found, though, that depending on where people are coming from, they often have just not been armed with the experience to be able to say, OK, these are the things that I would be looking for if I want to have this kind of role at an organization as a senior engineer. Different companies have wildly different standards about what it means to be a senior engineer. What I try to do with people in general is to arm them with, hey, here's the highest possible standard, so to speak, you know, outside of outside of the FANG companies, meaning Google, Amazon, Netflix, etc. 
and and be able to say hey if you're able to do if you're able to be like this you're you're generally going to be okay anywhere because that's what's important i what's important to me I, as well when interviewing people is to set people up particularly when it's through van Hack is how do we set up people to be able to get jobs in the industry well obviously i'd love for it to be at rocket place that's that's my first preference but what i prefer most is to grow the software industry with high quality people high quality processes and make the industry better and that just involves getting many of you here to Canada, whether that's at Rocket Place or somewhere else. So I always try to advise even people I've interviewed on other things to look at, things like that. Very cool. Very cool. And so, so you're saying that it takes maybe, let's say, let's call it 50 interviews to find one good developer. Oh, is yeah. That, yeah. Is that just because like there's a lack of senior developers in Canada or... I, I would say I, there's, there's a part of that. I think it is also there's a skill set that is at a high at a high level there's a rarity of senior engineers capable of performing at a high level that we see abroad and sometimes that's because of the focuses different companies have had abroad and so the the capacity to be able to work um, at a high level has already been built up in many people that i've met like for example through van hack right where i will routinely i would say just in north america i, I routinely will talk to a number of people that are maybe more, you know, I don't want to say entry level, but like in their first bits of experience in the field. And so from a seasoning perspective, that's a little more difficult um, versus being able to find people who, because also, again, there we've had many people apply to us, not through VanHack, for example, but who are, who have said, yes, I'm a senior engineer. And this isn't to scare any of you, you know, I'm just, the, we, but when we go through the discussion or I, I ask the questions, not, not technical ones, but more like philosophical, I'm like, okay, this person's probably still needs a bit of seasoning, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's where we right now, uh, obviously, like it, we are, we're, we're small enough that I want to be able to ensure that the, the core team is a super proficient, excellent team. We always want to hire excellent people and I'll grow excellent people too. Like, I mean, obviously that's a responsibility of leadership. Like yeah. your leadership or the people you talk to. One question, just as a side note here for all of you here, one question when you talk in an interview, because uh, obviously interviews are two-way, you should feel free to ask questions of your employer or your prospective employer. Mm. One thing that I think is a really good question to ask is what's your, what's your growth plan for my role? Uh, and the reason I say that is because, A, you will get exposure to the fact that whether this company does have a growth plan at all in mind, meaning you have to be able to mentally plan, okay, will I be able to be here for several years, you know, that kind of thing. Is this a good company for me to be at? Also, on the flip side of that, though, that shows a company immediately by you asking that, that you are also concerned about your growth and your personal growth, regardless of what level you're at, which is a huge thing for uh, a software company of any quality. Because that's, that shows us an initiative and a looking out for your own career that I consider a massive asset to people that come on board with me, regardless of where I've worked. Yeah, very, very good point. And, and you should definitely, uh, just to stress that point, you should definitely be asking smart questions, relevant questions at the end of the interview. Um, mm -hmm. so, so let's go to the start or even before the interview. Mm -hmm. um, what do you look for on a can like in a candidate's Van Hack profile or LinkedIn or resume? Like what? What do you look for when you're 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 on the Van Hack platform? You're looking through the candidates that apply to your position. What makes you mm -hmm. want to say, you know, what? Hey, I want to interview this person, and I don't want to interview that person. This is this is a great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, one thing that I tend to look for when I go through candidate profiles is impact. 
Uh, generally, what I like to see, particularly when you're, particularly as you get into the echelon of, uh, let's say, a relatively senior engineer, is to not just, I, I don't judge seniority just by years of experience. I can also judge it, you know, I also look at it by, okay, what, what has this person done to make a difference in their company? It doesn't necessarily need to be leadership either. It could be you headed a project that saved the company X amount of money. Uh, you might have increased test coverage, led an initiative to increase test coverage at your company by 20, 25%. Mm -hmm. That means more to me. Sometimes I see a lot of CVs that are listed specifically on responsibilities. I was, you know, I attended scrums. I did code and I submitted it for peer review. To me, those are uh, what I'd call the baseline. I, I know that you've done that as a senior, as a fairly senior guy. I, I know that those things are done because I know that those are kind of the things that generally are every software developer is going to do, you know, to, for example, like most people that I've interviewed, for example, if you interviewed with me at VanHack, one of the reasons you've interviewed with me, with me through VanHack is because I looked at your CV and I said to Vinod, this person has done something impactful at their organization. Um, and you can tell that because it's the way it's structured. I would highlight those things for sure to say, okay, I've made a difference here. Sometimes that's leadership. Sometimes it's other stuff. Sometimes it might be you you had an interest in, say, one of the other, I'd say, uh, tertiary domains like design or product management or whatever else that still relates to development. And you have some expertise in there, too. And those are always good things to highlight, too, because as you start moving upward in development, you you find that it's not just coding that solves problems anymore. Communication is very important knowledge and empathy about the other divisions of a company like marketing, sales, design, how they interact with development, which some of you have heard that question from me before, right? About how how do how does development serve that division and how do you see that division serving engineering? Mm -hmm. Those are things that I look for in CVs primarily. I, I will look for technical. Like I mean obviously I, I do want to it is tougher candidly candidly to say, okay, someone with I, I will talk to someone, for example, with no JavaScript experience. Um, if if the candidate seems like enough of an outlier, because I know that most of our work is in JavaScript, that's just a reality. Now, React or Angular is different, right? Like if someone says, I have a bunch of experience in Angular, that can translate to React depending on someone's passion. But, you know, foundationally from a language perspective, I will talk to someone if they seem like a massive outlier and say, okay, you know what? I can overlook that. It's a delicate balance, but saying this person has done so much impact at their company with the with the coding tools they had, whether it's .NET, JavaScript, or whatever else, that I, I I want to I want to try to talk to this person anyway because people can learn how to code different languages. You can't teach people how to care. You can't teach people how to influence an organization. You can a little bit, but those are actually innate innate things to a large degree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so true. Um, and and then so like just practically then, if someone wrote on their resume or or in the profile. Um, like you said, save money, right? So right. I, I, I built this software that right. automated this manual task that yeah. now will save time, save money for the company. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a huge thing. That's, yeah. that's, that's much more exciting than I wrote code in Java or whatever. Totally. Oh, completely. And I think it also, beca it, because it's also something that translates to something beyond engineering. Because if it, it, for most of you here, it, it most of the time in companies, this impact will go beyond engineering. There's other people that eventually need to consider, you know, consider the addition to the team. And so in order to be able to position that person to the rest of the organization as well and say, hey, I'm hiring this person. 
and to get them excited, it's much easier to say, if I go to them and say, yeah, they coded in this language, they'll be like, that's nice. You know, like they, yeah. they, they understand kind of like for a tech, the note or I will get excited about someone's algorithm. Obviously, <laughs> if we can look at this stuff and say, Ooh, look at this GitHub. This is amazing. <laughs> but we want to also be able to translate that outward to the rest of the organization to explain why we're so excited about this, because it's not just getting the job. Getting the job is your step one. Then you are in the job. You are interacting with a number of people. You have a critical like first 90 days often with a company where everybody's very happy that you're there and you want to make your put your best foot forward right and so those are if you're already armed with that which is what i like to do in general for a candidate because i think that's only fair if i'm investing that in our organization mm -hmm. is to be able to set you up for that success everybody should be very excited that you're aboard and you should be able to feel like you're going to have an impact and not be nervous about oh my goodness like i got this job am i going to be okay you know you should always feel psychologically safe that you're and happy that, hey, I have this job. It's great. I'm going to do well. That's that's the ideal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very cool. And and how, how can someone maybe <clears throat> someone's probably there's probably people on this on this uh, mm -hmm. webinar with us. Um, and again, guys, hope you're enjoying it. Um, oh, we have so many questions. That's great. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by the way, we'll get to all your questions. Um, mm -hmm. Justice has kindly agreed to stay another five, ten minutes. Uh, after. Yeah. If, and if we if we don't, I will make sure to write. I'll try to get the record of this so I can send this to Ilya as well. We'll awesome. make sure everybody gets handled. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, uh, careful what you wish for because I think we're going to Yeah, get no, I know. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have volunteered that. <laughs> <laughs> Staying up till 1 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> no, 24 hours, um, it's a big hack. It's basically just a marathon, like a telethon thing here with me for the next yeah. little while. <laughs> yeah, guys. Anyway, sorry, you were saying? Yeah, no, I was just saying, how, how can someone build that up, right? So, like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a developer, I'm working, you know, I got my yeah. my tickets that I got to figure, fix, fix, et cetera. Right. How do I branch out and kind of think about marketing or think about uh, sales or think about all these other departments mm -hmm. and, and connect and, and just maybe see the business side a little bit more? Because I think that that's something that's missing a lot from, mm -hmm. from software developers and, and not right. to your fault. It's like, I can't code, no. so like, development is missing from my side. But... Mm -hmm. How can you make that connection or expand a little bit your view? So there, there are two ways. There, there's a number of ways, but I'll, I'll, I'll focus on two that I think are, are really good. Uh, one is uh, to find experts in that field. For example, on Twitter, there's an excellent uh, presentation from Oren Ellenbogen that I'll share with everybody afterwards that talks through how to locate SMEs on different forms of media like Twitter or whatever else in social media so that you can avoid the noise of social media and just get to stuff that's informational. That's one, that's one aspect. Two, obviously there are a number of great books. We have it in the Rocket Place Growth Framework for a reading list, but like a number of great books on these fields. The most, I find the best way to get this, and this is how I kind of gathered this over time, was I found the people in my organizations that were handling these roles and I went to lunch with them or I asked them for some time to just ask them what was involved, what was influential to them. And I would also ask routinely, just because I'm a book nerd, I would ask, what do you consider the most influential books you've read? I have never gotten someone who said, I have no influential books. I've never read anything. Mm. I've never talked to you. And I mean, I'll, I'll be candid. I would be worried if someone went to you and said, I have nothing that influenced me. Just learn this all myself. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's not the exact mentor you want. But I think yeah. most of the time, 
you are dealing with people who are people are most of the time only too happy to talk to you. I mean, as long as you're not like, let's go for lunch and dinner and breakfast every day for the next 20 days so I can talk to you because people are busy. <laughs> but being able to just say, hey, can I pick your brain about a couple of these things because I'm interested in learning more? There's a couple of things that does. It demonstrates to your company you're interested in these things. Most companies are not going to say, hey, stay coding. Don't don't talk about this stuff. Like, I mean, obviously, if you start you know, dropping your other assignments because you're busy reading about sales. Yeah, your company's right to be concerned. But most of the time, if you're just going for a lunch or a coffee, people are only too happy to give you their advice and their expertise. And I mean, realistically, though, I've dealt with these some of these things as a founder, I would never call myself, say, an expert in sales. Um, right. You know, I, I those though there are there are salespeople I know and absolutely admire who are the top people in probably North Am. You know, I, I think, and that's that's something that I feel, you know, where I talk to them as friends all the time about some of these things because they they know what they're doing, right? That's but that's those are the, that's a way to get that exposure to some of those things because you also find you're not pat like I'm not asking people to necessarily be passionate about all of these things just to have a, a surface understanding of it. I think is better because it's very tough as a dev to just sit in your box and say I'm going to code and not see the rest of the organization as it is. Because as you go from a senior engineer, like as many of you are, your post-senior engineer career is likely on one of two divisions. One is you're going to be an individual contributor, like a staff engineer, like which commonly sometimes is called an architect, you know, many different titles, yeah. senior staff engineer and principal engineer. The other side of this is engineering management, senior engineering management, director, you know, that kind of thing. And so yeah, you want to be able to also you to get to get to either of those sides, you definitely need to understand more than just development to be able to because you will be interacting with various stakeholders in different departments at that point in time. And you should have some understanding of what they need and what what how, how their job works. Fantastic. Uh, great answer. Um, how about the, the interview itself? So let's say we you know your mm -hmm. cell phone's profile, it's full of impact and, and kind of all the right uh, hits all the right notes. You want to take have a conversation with this person. How? Uh, what advice do you have someone for maybe rocking that first interview? Uh, and then we'll talk about technical interviews. Sure. So when we get our our process, just to walk you guys through what Rocket Place's process is, but it's fairly similar at a number of organizations I've been at. I, I it it hasn't varied much from what I've been doing for the last ten years. Generally, you have a meeting with someone. In in this case, at Rocket Place, it's a meeting with me, where it's I call it more of the psychopath check. Uh, you know, where I I talk to you a bit, I get to know you. Um, I do ask you some questions philosophically about what you do and the kind of things you're interested in to determine whether, okay, personally and culture is there a good fit here. You know, it's a very informal talk. I like to be fairly relaxed about these kind of things. The next step in our in our organization is you talk to Vinod, uh, who's the CTO of Rocket Place, with a very similar conversation. Uh, different, he may focus on different things than I do, but generally, he and I are both trying to determine at that point. Okay, is this is this person someone we think is a good fit for us at this point in time? This is generally on things like what you we talk about what you've done. We talk about you know maybe uh, failures you've had to recover from. Uh, things that you're very proud of in your field. Not, it's not a technical, in, in my case, that part's not a technical thing. It's important to me before I deal with anything technical that I get a sense of where you, where you are seeing your career heading before I go forward with that because it's important that I respect your time. Mm -hmm. once, once those two have happened, 
then we have a small, a very small technical assignment, uh, like maybe two or three hours. It's not timed. It's just more, hey, take this home like you would in the real world. It's important to me anyway that, you know, these things, I, I'm aware that tech assignments are annoying. I generally, I just say here, this is more to, to get a look at how you code. We are going to have a discussion about it a little bit. You have a brief discussion with us afterwards. When you when you submit it to us, we have a discussion about your code with the three of us or with the, the four of us with the engineering team. At that at that point, depending on what we think, if we if we feel that this is a good fit, you actually meet the other members of the team first, uh, which I know is unusual for some people. But you have a very brief, like twenty minutes with the CEO, the COO, um, our head of operations, just so that and our our VP of product, so that you, they can all meet you. They understand who's potentially coming on board the team. Then you have one last discussion with us, which is. Again, philosophical, because we've already talked about technical. I don't get that point. I know you can code. I know you know. I, I know that I like your code. I know that all of that is okay. Mm. At this point, this is just a philosophical discussion with the team to talk about other things that, you know, in the field, like what you think, for example, challenges are facing the software field. Or, you know, I want to, I want to see where you're thinking about things, not just in the small, the, the small short term, sorry, like obviously you're wanting to get to Canada, wanting to do this, but where do you see yourself heading? What impact do you want to have in an organization? What's your ideal situation? How do you like to be managed? How do you like to be led? Things like that. That's, that's mostly, now I, I recognize that's maybe unusual. Sometimes companies like here, just here's a tech assignment, go solve it. And then we'll have like a, a 30 minute conversation with you and then we're done. That, that's fine too. In, in our case, and I, I always for me, it's important for me to have a, you have a, I want you to have as much of an understanding of me and Vinod and Anastasia and Lewis and Ben and Matt and Zia, et cetera, as you can. Um, I give you, you get a lot of things when you interview with us, as some of you can attest to, you get, you know, a one pager about me and about the things that I like, you know, how I manage, how I lead, things that I find influential. You get, information on Rocket Place, its culture, its values, its goals. I think it, it's very one-sided oftentimes when you're dealing with these things. If you don't, by the way, very important here, if you don't get those from a company that wants to interview you, please ask about those when you interview. Those are important things. I think it, they, sometimes they sound a little foofy to people. I think it's very important to be able to kind of align the values of a company to you as well and make sure that this is in harmony. I think it's important to be able to discuss some of these things about what's the goal, what is success, for example, what does success look like in this role? What does it mean to be successful? You want to kind of get some of those things out. And it's also, again, those are those are questions that I mark. I mean, I'm obviously maybe not, I don't want to say giving away a trade secret, but people who ask me questions like that in an interview in general and, and have thought, have been thinking about this, if I turn that around and say, tell me what you value, you know, people who have given that some thought uh, tend to do stronger in interviews because those are people where there's been a lot of a concrete, concrete direction on here's what I want to do with my career. Right. Nice. I think you we have some folks who want to go through that interview process here. I'm saying <laughs> JP and David, uh, asking thank, thank you everybody. That's very nice. <laughs> cool. Um, I think we should touch on the technical side though. Mm -hmm. like you, yes. you, you mentioned there's a two hour, three hour assignment. Mm -hmm. like what, what was it? What would be look for? You mentioned uh, code coverage and like what 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 makes a good like what makes 
a good code. I again, I, I apologize. Oh sure, no, no. Hey, don't apologize. That's a question. Hey, that's a question I ask people, so I I should be able to answer myself. So I find good code to be a number of things. Uh, generally, first and foremost, it's readable. Uh, a human being can understand what's going on. I should be able to glance over it. From a technical standpoint, I like tight methods, meaning I don't have you know three hundred line methods everywhere where. I have five different intents happening in the same method. I do like unit testing to be accompanying, to be accompanying code, uh, especially in the, the assignment we have is designed, you know, somewhat around that as well to be able to, we don't, no one ever, no one's ever going to ask you. It's rare that someone will come out and ask you, for example, to provide unit testing for code when you do an assignment. That's because we generally are looking for that to be something that someone thinks to themselves, this is something I should provide. Most most times I've dealt with it, it's been, I don't say anything, but a senior developer will do it automatically to say, hey, by the way, I know what I'm doing. Uh, that's that's just a flag I look for oftentimes in, in these things. Mm. And that's the, so those are those are pieces of it. I think I think most importantly you want, but I want to go back to readability. Like I think that oftentimes like you are, remember you're presenting you're presenting code to somebody as their first impression of you technically. Mm. And I see all sorts, like not, I've seen all sorts of technical assignments. You wouldn't, you, most of you would not believe that people would even submit them. You know, I've had, I've had code submitted on word documents before, for example, which is really bizarre. And by the way, just for everybody's note, it didn't compile when I actually pulled it into like, you know, an actual editor, Uh, you know, but those kind of things where I would be like, you know, why would someone do this to give this impression? You know, you want to put, this is like, in some ways, it is like dating in the sense that you want to put your best foot forward. And so ideally I want you to show me, hey, this is, these are the kind of things I'm capable of within this flourish. You know, it's more, it's less about, I I don't do clever problem solving kind of thing. Like sometimes people will do an algorithm or whatever else, that's fine too. But what I want to see mostly is given a problem in a domain, how do you go about solving it? And would this code be something that, you know, if we were going to do a code review for it, um, that we'd all think, okay, this is great, or, you know, maybe needs minimal feedback. And how do you take feedback? For example, if we go and discuss your code, I have had people when discussing code get very mad or defensive. Mm. And it's not, code is not really to be about that. Like code is just code. We're, we're all looking to improve. I, I get PR feedback. Vinod gets PR feedback. We're all human beings. Mm-hmm. But if, if, for example, if Vinod gave me feedback or Anastasia gave me feedback on code and then I snapped on them, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Boom, I'm merging. You know, that's, that's <laughs> not the team I'm looking to build. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's mostly good, good code. Good, co- good code is, t- good code is clean, uh, succinct. And, and where things are not clear, they're commented. And there, there's some unit testing in the speci- as a specification. And I, by the way, sorry, just uh, just catching this one thing that you had mentioned to Sheldon. I was going to say I'm a programmer in his forties. It's it's totally fine. Um, and we don't hire. We're not we're not ageist at Rocket Place. Um, and there, the chances of a programmer in their forties, at least at Rocket Place, are good. Um, I think talent. I've worked with all sorts of talented people in my career ranging from, you know, 19 through 65. Um, I, d- I don't want, you know, I'm not going to pretend every company maybe doesn't have some of that underlying, but I, I know that a good company, Sheldon does not care about that kind of thing. And in fact, they look at that as a benefit because the truth is there is, as a programmer in your 40s or 50s, you've seen a lot of stuff one way or another. 
And that's an important benefit to many companies as well from just making sure we have a diverse team and not a homogenized group of 20 year old white dudes, which is not the kind of team I want to build, nor does anyone in the industry with any sense of growing the industry want to build that kind of team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. I'm glad you said you mentioned that. I, mm -hmm. uh, we get this question a lot at Van Hack and um, I, I think it's important to say that um, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not an eliminating factor. And in fact, it, it can be a benefit. Um, although one, one thing I will say is that you need to, as you get later on in your career, you need to be shown, you can't be stuck in the past in terms of technology, right? That like you don't want to mm -hmm. be still working with basic and, right? If you're still working in powerhouse or stuff like that, it yeah. is tougher to find a job. Let's just be <laughs> candid. That's, that's not typically a hire. You might get an edge case hire, but it's going to be a lot harder to find something just because yeah. it's not a trending technology. Yeah. So you do need to show progression in terms of learning and adapting to the news. Mm -hmm. New, yes. New uh, framework, etc. Um, oh, cool, cool. So let's talk about this code code reviews and, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, pull requests. I, I love that. Um, like, what do you when you're sitting down and doing a code review um, and having that chat? Let's say you know the person submitted their code. What what kind of um, questions do you ask? What do you look for? Um, what, you know, how does someone do a good job in that part? I think so. In terms of a good job, there there's a couple things. One is to generally have some some relative idea. Depend and by the way, just to be clear for everybody, this shifts depending on the basis of someone's technical expertise. So, for example, I I'm less hard on, for example, if someone never dealt with a Django at all in Python and is coming into the tech one of the tech assignments with very limited background. I'm a lot more forgiving if you know you didn't do something in a Django standard way. Right. That's just that's a, that's a learning thing, but it's more receptive. Generally, what I'm looking for overall are some adherence to the the whatever common practices are to the language or an explanation of why you did something. So we have a very open ended like generally you will be given the choice of packages that you want to supply in both Node and Python for, for the full stack assignment. And we just tell you, hey, you know what, what you want to what you want to build this with. Go ahead. Just tell us what it is and why you added it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we're looking also too to say, OK, hey, what, what kind of decisions are you making if given on your if, if as a senior engineer on your own and you're given a task and you want to bring in a package? How do you use that evaluation if you're given a whole app, like a, not an app, but like a miniature page or whatever else and said you have free control? What do you want to do with it mm -hmm. in code review in code review? The standards that I talked about for good code apply. Um, I will review things and say, hey, can we split up this generally? Like, for example, if I say, can we split up this method? I want to see what they do. I might intentionally break a test, for example, and say, hey, can you write a test to fix this? So that's rare. I, I sometimes do that just as a challenge um, for an occasional candidate. Um, but it, it's mostly around, hey, do I look, I look at this from, hey, did, did, did the test written here, did that heavy bias, but I, I still will deal with people that don't, didn't write tests, right? Um, if, if the code quality is high, when I'm reviewing, it's mostly about syntactical things or, hey, what do you want to do here? Um, API stuff, I will approach it from, you know, proper API, like re in, in terms of if I'm using REST or GraphQL, there are different ways to approach an API build. And so I will look for those and then I will discuss those with the candidate and say, well, maybe we'll do this approach here. Maybe this is, maybe the HTTP verb for those of you that are more into APIs is incorrect, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I find mostly to be, it's mostly a fodder for discussion, like in, ter in terms of an initial peer pull re request review, like at our company, for example, it will generally be, hey, 
we this might be a, a pose this expose a security hole if we do it this way it may be a free, free flow discussion meaning say for example hey i think there are too many permissions assigned here do is this is this a low is there can you guys let me know if there's a smaller set that kind of thing pull requests are are invitations to conversation generally we will have in our interview process we don't do a pull request review so much as the person comes in we just talk about their code talk about what we liked talk about alternative approaches occasionally we'll ask hey what what alternative package you know what alternatives do you think would be here you know if you wanted to do this there's not a wrong i want to be clear aside from blowing up the app and <laughs> everything breaking there's not really a wrong answer so to speak you know in yeah. that it is mostly a case of what what level do we think this code is at and and then a discussion about how you approach code that's that's more what we go for here very cool. Very cool. That, I think that was a fantastic answer, and I hope everyone was listening and taking notes. Um, and we'll, we'll rewatch this when we post it on YouTube in the future, just because it's full of gems. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, th th it's rare to get this, this perspective from from someone who's who's been in the trenches. And um, what what kind of things do you like to see after the interview is done? Like, do you do you like the candidates to send a thank you email? Um, what, what kind of would be a, a nice touch to really put the cherry on the cake and say, you know what, this is the right person for me to hire? You know, I think uh, for me, like thank yous are always great. Like the truth is that's always a great thing as a, as a touch, just because just because it shows an interaction. Um, I, what I like to see um, in, in my view is someone's excitement for the role. Um, and that doesn't need to be like, you know, an extensive essay about, you know, hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's my here's my 10 pages worth of why I'm really glad about this process. But generally what I like to see just as just even in the small post, like we, the truth is our process is enough that by the time you're done, I know whether you're excited and I'm not I'm not too worried about. Thank you. Depend If you're interviewing with other organizations, depending on how they do things, I would definitely convey how excited you are about the role and why. And I mean, why as in a way that is not centered entirely around, you know, hey, great, I can, I mean, we all know the reality is, as I've talked to many of you is, we, we, you want to be able to come here. I love Canada, it's a fantastic country. I, I would love to have, to build the industry. It's a win-win for everyone. But I think it's really good to be able to say to somebody, I'm excited about this because I feel this is good for me but I feel this is good for you, so to speak, meaning I feel like I can make an impact here and I feel that these are ways I can make an impact here and these are things that you talked about in the interview process that particularly excite me. And I, my advice is, and I mean, this is more, I, I know this is easier said than done. If a, if a company does not excite you, don't lie. Don't, don't say, well, I'm really excited about this when you're not, like that's, right. that's okay. It's okay to just say thank you and continue on. And depending on the job and depending on your goals, <clears throat> you you go forward. But if you are legitimately excited about a role, I think it's okay to convey that excitement in this. I mean, just, just for purposes, and I'm not saying this is what you do. One of the things that really stood out to me in our interview with Van Hack Candidate A um, was she had done, after we had talked through something about Heroku or whatever else, in an offhand comment, she was like, hey, I'm going to go do this because I'm curious about it. And it was just the curiosity. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was clearly not like, it was easy enough to tell this was not done because, you know, someone wanted to grab a job with us. It was done because someone was just legitimately curious and exploring that kind of thing. That kind of curiosity and exploration goes a long way. That's, that's what an organize, because remember, the organization isn't looking to hire you for four months. 
the organization generally is looking to hire you for a long term. Ide- an ideal organization is thinking of this in multiple years worth of your time. So it's not just I'm not evaluating you, for example, on, OK, is this person going to be a fit to build to do story points for like the next half year? I'm thinking, OK, five years from now, what does the career for this person look like here at the organization? And many, many, many sophisticated organizations will take that approach. Nice, nice. Very cool. Um, one more question, and then we'll get into the audience questions yes, here. It's about communication skills, language. A lot of people here are uh, not, don't have English as their first language, it's their second or even third language. And we get a lot of van hackers asking, what's mm-hmm. the ideal or minimum level of English to be able to pass through a job interview? I, that's a tough, no, that's a tough one for me to answer just because I don't, in terms of like levels and scales of English, I don't have like a, a numeric thing. What I would say is, if you are able to get a point across in in a in a uh, in a cogent way, I generally I'm fine with that. Like we've talked to people, I, I like j- just for the purposes of of openness here. I mean, many of you who I did talk to told me you were concerned about your English when you talked to me, and I responded with, "I am well." That makes one of us because I'm not remotely concerned about your English. Um, if I can have a conversation with you, realistically, if I can hold a conversation with you and Vinod can have a conversation with you, we're not worried about your English. Um, if we can't have a conversation, like, and I don't mean like a complicated one where I'm like using like, you know, 15 syllable words or whatever else or like, mm-hmm. you know, flourishes of the English. I'm not asking you to be Shakespeare and write a sonnet for me. I, I want you to be able to communicate a point and know that if you needed to, for example, sell the note and I on a technical direction, or you needed to talk to our, you know, our, our marketing end about something or that kind of thing as a senior engineer, you'd be able to do that. Now, yeah. when I say able, I don't mean you have such a flourish of the English language that people just drop to their knees and say, please keep talking to me. I mean, you can make a point and people can understand and put together the piece, even if it's, let's say, fragmented, people can put together the pieces easily without having to ask to repeat yourself five times, right? Like that's that's more normally... A situation where someone might not understand says, hey, can you repeat yourself? Great. Once or twice, whatever. I don't care about that. That's not a big deal. Like that's, it's more if you just can't talk to somebody at all, that's more of a difficulty. Um, I, I generally think if you can have conversational English and you can explain code to me, the English comes with time and if people's English gets better. I worked with, I worked with someone, for example, and I mean, we're all smart people. I were one of the best software engineers I've ever worked with in my career. Uh, he, he came from Cuba uh, many, many years ago, and he knew no English at all, basically. He was communicating through one other Cuban we had at the office, and he learned English fairly quickly, and he is now the director of a consulting company because he, he, he was, it didn't matter. He was able to communicate his intent, and the quality of everything else he did showed up in that as well. Nice, nice. We uh, one of our values at that hack is code has no accent. Exactly. That's a very good. I, I, I think that's a very important thing here too, right? Like that's that's key. We, we don't want to. I don't judge people on. Hey, do you you know do do you speak colloquial Canadian English? No, that's not that's not, and that doesn't build a diverse team. That doesn't build. That just builds people who are focused inordinately on that. I would advise are probably inordinately focused on building a team that is just like them. And you don't want to be part of a team where people are just trying to build a team that's just like them. Very true. Very true. Fantastic. Um, just as mm-hmm. 
anything that I missed? Is there anything else that you think is important that people should know when they're interviewing and job hunting? Oh man. Um, I think I, I, I want to highlight again, the importance of uh, questions uh, that are asked in the interview. I think not, not to the point of stalking a company, but I think it's good to be able to ask questions both around your development about the way the company operates, depending on if you're dealing with a startup, you should, you definitely, if you're dealing with a startup, one thing you should be asking is how much runway they potentially have, which most startups can tell you, or they'll tell you effectively like where we're at. That's a fair thing. If you're going to commit, for example, to a startup company, you should be aware, for example, it's fair for you to be aware of, you know, for example, when the, what stage of funding the company is at yes. and how long, how long, what the burn rate of that burn rate, meaning for those of you who aren't familiar, how much money is the company spending per month effectively? Companies will, they might not answer this specifically, but many companies will give you a range. I think that's very important because you don't, the one thing you don't want to put yourself into is a situation where you join a company, they have three months worth of funding and you are in Canada and suddenly the company folds and you are left scrambling because of course, you know, knowing how these, the processing situations work, you need to find something else to stay. No one wants to be dealing with that. You need to be, you need to be taking care of yourself in these interviews. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so um, speaking of questions, let's get to yeah. the many questions we have here. Um, so thank you everyone for, for asking these great questions. And um, again, really, really hope you're enjoying this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, just quickly, Patricia says, uh, program programmers can learn every kind of language, even human, human languages. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, true that. Um, Justice, do you want to just read through the languages, uh, the, the questions and answer yourself? I mean, yeah, sure, sure. I'll start. I'll start with the bottom. And I'm going to try to get through all of these, by the way. So we'll see how this goes for time. But I'll try to try to be as fast as I can. Uh, and my apologies in advance, by the way, if there are um, pronunciation errors I'm making with names. I just I don't know how to pronounce them all, so I'll apologize in advance if I've mangled anybody's names. Uh, Alareza, uh, you mentioned how's your idea about benchmark programming languages, especially C Sharp and Python. So there, this is a good concept, and thank you for touching on it. So I do think that if you just generally, um, one thing that's really good to know as a software engineer is one server side. <clears throat> I think JavaScript as in general is something that you want to have pretty much all the time. Uh, because it just runs most of the web. That's a predominant language. It can run both server side and and client side. So you get some server side expertise that way too. But knowing JavaScript, since it's going to inevitably power some app you're doing, unless you're doing mobile development, mm -hmm. is very important. I would likewise focus on one sort of server side language. Um, if you have a specialty like C sharp is fine. Python's another one. There's obviously a difference between object oriented languages and of uh, you know, more dynamic languages like Python or Rails. Um, but I think that it's good. Python obviously is in common use because of machine learning. I mean, I'm not saying, let's not have any illusions. Like, it's not like you're gonna learn Python in a week and then say, right after that week is done or whatever, say, I'm a machine learning engineer. That There's a completely different discipline there. But Python obviously is the language of choice for a lot of machine learning. So if that is something you want to go down the road in in time, it's a good language to know because a lot of companies, we do too, partially for that reason. Um, so like Rocketplace's technology stack, for anybody who didn't catch it, is JavaScript and React on the front side with a number of other different approaches and frameworks there. And then Python and Django with GraphQL on the back end, uh, the back end interface. Mm -hmm. um, from, so I, I, would, I would definitely 
pick a couple languages that you want to know. And if they happen to be at your job, so much the better, because some companies will look for deep technical expertise. And it would be good. One thing that I would advise if also too, in terms of where you're looking to locate as a city, I would definitely go to places like Indeed and whatever else. And I'm not saying apply. I'm saying you will get a sense from what people are offering in different cities. Like I know, for example, in Vancouver, there is a divide between the financial sector with a lot of credit unions and whatever that are heavily Angular, Java-based, and a lot of startup-esque things that are definitely predominantly React with a little bit of Angular, and then underneath are ranging from Python to Rails to Node. Those are the three most common that we see. Esoteric ones, I wouldn't get into too much unless it's a curiosity like Rust or whatever else, because the truth is just in terms of commonality of hiring, that it's not as common to hire for. Uh, let's see here. Um, what did I have? Right, Rinat, it, it, what if a person didn't have a chance to use some language at their job? It's hard to change job and, oh, I just lost that one. <laughs> let me, let me, I, apparently we have a limit here. Let me, uh, let me but I'll, I'll, I'll come back. Renat, if you don't mind re-asking your question, that would be great because I think I lost that one in the chat just now. Mm -hmm. Chris uh, asked, what do you wish you did better in your career? Um, in my career, I think one thing that I could have done better uh, if I, I wish I had known earlier on was the importance of relationships with others um, and also the knowledge of empathy with other people. Um, I had a great experience that I've told many people about before where when I first became a lead, someone, uh, one of the people I was leading, I came in one day and I was just having a, not a great day and I was very quiet. And one of the people I was leading asked if I, we could go for coffee. And so we did. And he said, Justice, whatever I did wrong, I'm really sorry. I'll, uh, I'll make it up to you. And I'm like, you didn't do anything wrong. We're at like what's going on and he said i know you're in a bad mood you know and i know that it's something i did and the kind of tone that you set and this isn't just in leadership the tone that you set people see people will always see the kind of person what's what you're feeling it's good to communicate those things too to people one thing we do at rocket place for example is every day in the morning we talk about how we're feeling like on a scale of one to ten because it's good for people to be aware of say if justice has had a bad day it's good that the team doesn't think that okay justice is restraining his rage at some code I wrote or anything like that, that it's something totally different. And I mm. think that's really important. Uh, Priyank, oh yes, I see I see the chat questions slowly disappearing as, as other ones are asking. So I'll, I'll continue as fast as I can. Priyank asks, any tips on sponsored visa for Python developers? I would say that the tips are the same for any developer. Um, the the LMIA perspective is mostly built around, hey, what, what's this person going to be doing for the company? What's the unique skill sets that they're bringing that we can't get anywhere else? Um, what, you know, your company should be able to say, then this is partially the company's responsibility of being able to say, hey, why, why is it that I'm bringing this person over versus hiring someone locally? Um, that, that would be, I, I unfortunately wish I could give you more tips for that, but I mean, most of the time, a small, if you're dealing with a sponsored visa, it's mostly a deal with, I think you need to find a, you either need to find a company that is looking outwardly for that as many things are in VanHack, um, and then simply go through the interview process I've described. That's, that's mostly what will happen is if, if a company needs you, a company needs you and they will make the case for you. And they'll, they'll, that's generally what happens. Like that's what we did for our, our van hacker and what we will do for future van hackers. Cool. Uh, oh, Raphael, that's not a question, but yes, I programmed using Logo as well. You're you're a good person for that. That's great. I, I'm sure you drew the stars and the circles and everything like that on the Tandies. That's fantastic. Uh, Justice, what's your criteria for deciding how much to involve into a project you're leading versus how much to delegate? Uh, that depends. 
Uh, I it, it tends to be something that comes with experience. I do I do a lot of delegation just because I can't do everything myself. I do a lot of hands-on right now. That's just the nature of where the company is. So like, for example, someone coming onto Rocket Place right now will code alongside me. So you will get you know my code in the system as well. Um, I generally, I do a lot of measurements. I'm very anal about that kind of thing. Story points, issues, uh, slice, you know, features and story points per feature in order to be able to figure out what stuff I can take care of and other what stuff other people can take care of. It comes with time. Uh, you, you generally get a feel for that. I do have a number of management books that really help with this kind of thing. But generally, as you start leading teams or whatever else or see other people lead teams, you get a good feel for this kind of thing. How is the Canadian Jag Deep asks, how is the Canadian market for AWS certified Java professionals? Pretty good. Uh, there actually are a number of companies, particularly in the now going back to this discussion point again, a lot of companies in the financial sector, and I'm, I'm speaking strictly from Vancouver experience versus Canada, but I know that this is the case in places like Toronto as well. Um, Java, Java is pretty much one of the main languages used by almost every banking institution that there is. Uh, a lot of them are using a framework built on Java and Angular. So there is a number, there is a number of opportunities for that kind of thing. Uh, Nathan asks, do you have, oh, I'm going to save this one for later because that's a perfect question. Do you have Brazilians in your team? In fact, our engineer number four is Brazilian. Yes. That's, so that is, we do have Brazilians in our team. Uh, you know, just, if that just happens to be something I can answer in the affirmative right now. That's fortunate timing. Uh, they start with us uh, in the beginning of January. How is the job market in Canada for junior developers? Quite good. I mean, obviously right now due to COVID, it's a little more difficult um, in terms of uh, junior development. Um, I think that it depends on the company as well. Like I know that there's ob obviously always the difficulty when you are first starting out to get a company to even take a look at you. Um, you know, I, I went through that myself as well. You know, that, that happens with a lot of people uh, depending on when you, when you decide to go into the field and all of that. I would I would say that the, you increase your chances a little bit as a junior by being able to demonstrate some to different companies, being able to demonstrate your ability to build an app or be able to adapt to something. I would still pick some languages that you want to specialize in and then go from there and develop that as you're going as a junior developer to get a job. Um, I, I know that, for example, at Rocket Place, we do want to hire juniors. And this answers someone else's question as well, I believe, um, where... Uh, if I, I want to have a ratio responsibly of a certain number of developers before I bring on a junior because you deserve mentoring and guidance and not oftentimes companies hire a junior and just say, great, go do some work for us. There's, there's some significant growth that has to happen in investment there. I want to be able to ensure that I have the time to be able to give you that and the team does. And that's just responsible for us. That, that's coming later in Rocket Place's sequence. That's not yet, but we are working toward that. And I think other companies will too. Uh, Lu Lucius says, could you kindly share which SAS tools like Cobors you evaluate dev skills of candidates by hands-on? I use GitHub and that's it, believe it or not, uh, Lucius. In our case, we don't use any other online tools also because online tools are timed, meaning that you have to sit down. Most of them are you sit down, at least that we've seen, you sit down, you have to code something and that's all you have. And then also online, generally those deal with algorithmic complexity or some problem solving, which are great. I love you know, you know, different and complete problems as well as anybody else. Uh, but I want to be able to, you're not going to be solving and complete problems all the time at your at typical line of business organizations. You will be having to put together components and work with frameworks and make decisions on frameworks to build and how to get front end and back end interacting with each other. 
that's a tougher thing sometimes to do. I, I noticed VanHack does have these kind of things in its coding assignments. It's a little more difficult to do depending on the assignment. So we don't, we, we tend to, we have code that we wrote. And in fact, Vinod and myself and Anna have all done it ourselves to time relatively how long it would take, but that's okay. It's cool if it took longer. And we evaluate the code on the basis when you submit it. You just submit a GitHub PR and we do it ourselves because in the end, a machine's not going to be evaluating your code when you go to a job. It's going to be a human being. So it doesn't really matter what code wars for me. It doesn't really matter what Code Wars tells me about someone because in the end, I'm the one working with them, not Code Wars. And the mm -hmm. team is going to work with them. Uh, what's the minimum requirements? I can't, this, this is a bit different, Ashi. Oh, there's no minimum, thank you. Okay, yeah, as, as these things are rapidly disappearing, I'll go faster. David Gezi, what do you think about the scarcity of senior engineering talent? Some argue that the juniors of today will be the senior engineers of tomorrow. Yes, I, I think I just answered this in terms of steps taken towards hiring a crop of engineers and growing them. That is definitely uh, that is definitely something in consideration uh, because I do believe the same thing. Uh, you know, everybody comes from a starting point, right? I just want to make sure that I'm not handicapping you by bringing you into the company and then leaving you to fend for yourself. That's not fair to a junior developer at all. And I want it. I I take leadership very seriously as a responsibility, and we do at Rocket Place too. Um, did Vanek help to create resumes according to the opportunity? Um, I, I, I can't, this is more of an Ilya question. Oh yeah. He's just answered. Yes. A tool. So I'm just reading up. This is great. Um, very quickly, some questions that I copied and pasted before, thankfully. Um, justice. Hello. What is your greatest challenge leading people? Sometimes we're very strict. Sometimes soft. How can you work in the middle? Um, generally I lead. So just to give you a window into how I manage, uh, I use something called the Alliance, which I'll send out to Ilya so you can disseminate later, but it's from Reed Hoffman basically talks about it being a two way street from a company and its employee. And I tend to harmonize the interests of the company with the interests of the individual. Um, my challenge leading people is mostly, I wouldn't say there, you know what? I would say the challenge in leading people is making sure to have the delicate balance between what the company needs and what the person needs. Um, I, and I find most of the time, like when I hire, I, my, I have challenges leading people when I don't hire well. Um, if I don't hire well, I have a challenge leading someone because maybe I haven't seen that this person is maybe a flake, you know, maybe a genius, but only work, only wants to really work, work, you know, one day a week, you know, that kind of thing. We've, we've all dealt with people or, you know, the inevitable person where you go to them and say, I think we've all, had a colleague like this at some point who is a genius, but you go to them and say, hey, can you build me this component for a page? And they come back with, I've just built Terraform and Docker to containerize all of our instances. And I'd be like, uh, okay, cool. That's really nice. Um, where's the component? They're like, oh, I don't have that done. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. The, the easily distracted uh, person, that's, that's often a challenge and just takes a bit of managerial, have to figure out how to fit someone in that way. Um, is there any chance to be interviewed? You, I took. Yes, there is. Um, if whoever whoever asked, is there any chance to be interviewed with you? Just send me a note. In this case, send me a note directly, and we'll talk. I, that might be that may be opening me up to a lot of you know potential potential uh, people yeah. saying, "Hey," but we'll see. I the the chances to being interviewed by me are basically what I said before. You know, I think if you have if you have this the the intersection of skill set that we have. That's a really great plus. Like, let's be real. If you know JavaScript and Python and you feel fairly confident in both of these, you know, we should talk. If you know React and GraphQL, so much the better. You know, the more you, the more you, the, realistically, the more you match technology wise, you are going to have an easier time. That's just a, that's just a given. You know, if you, if you're able to demonstrate that depth.
Uh, what if a person didn't have a chance to use some language at his job? It's hard to change job and language. There could be a drop in salary or title. Okay, so this is correct and this is a reality. So let's let's address this as much as I can. Um, generally, what there's there's a couple of options depending on your level of control at your job, which I recognize is rare. You can introduce the technology. Uh, I recognize most of you don't have that level of control. So what I would do, rather than spreading yourself thin over a number of languages, is I would take a language that you think is one you want to focus on or two, get proficient at them in spare time. This is a matter of time allocation. Um, I, I recognize that it's not an easy grind, but that's the reality for a lot of people, depending on when you want to change. If you want to change uh, programming languages or careers, you either have to find a job that will take you without having that experience, or you have to get some experience or demonstrate that you, you will learn and be proficient, right? So at that point in time, what I would do um, to be able, if you don't get the chance at your job, I would do exactly what our candidate A. Vanhack did, where they learned part of it on their own time and said, I don't, and we're open, said, I'm not super proficient, but I will be proficient enough in the outset and I can demonstrate that. Mm. And she did. And that we didn't need, we didn't need the Python knowledge at that point in time because the JavaScript knowledge was really, really good and the balance of it was fine. It, it always depends on what you want to, I would approach it less as, hey, what career do I want to have? Along with the, you know, obviously I want to go to Canada and kind of harmonize those two things as well in terms of what you want to focus on. I, truth is people focused on Angular will be able to find a job. There are jobs in Angular, there are jobs in React. If you're specifically front end, that's one thing versus a full stack developer. Companies have different needs. Um, and I think that that's important. But I think, yes, there could be a drop in salary and title if you go to some other place to learn the language. That's often why if you want to learn a language, you might want to do it off on the side. Uh, that's what I did, in fact, when I was changing. Like, I mean, when I was changing development languages, for example, and moving over to other stuff, that's what I did too. I mean, I ended up building a, you know, my own startup at that point in time for a bit. Um, yeah, so I covered those ones. And then back here, yeah, the, let's see here. Is it possible to be hard with intermediate English? Yes, that short version is yes. That's, it, I mean, it depends on what you classify as intermediate English. But like I said, if you can hold a conversation, most companies are fine with that because that's, they just, they need, they need it to not be a communication drag, meaning it makes it harder and longer to get things done because of communication. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of the scarcity of senior, David, because he asked, what do you think of the scarcity of senior engineering talent? Oh yes, we talked about that one already. Um, let's see here. And we talked to Sheldon, okay, okay. Not all companies share how much money you help them to save or gain by your work, Evita. Uh, it's hard to evaluate it by myself. Is there any other equivalent how to evaluate your impact in the company? Time saving uh, is one of the bigger ones. Generally, you should be able, there are some metrics. Sometimes it might not even be a specific metric. It's okay to say, hey, I led this initiative and this initiative was here and I maybe don't have a case of how quantitatively or uh, savings. An approximate could be, for example, whatever your salary is, and use a percentage. You don't even need to say your salary, but say, hey, great. If you scale your salary among the number of people whose time this has been saved by like an hourly rate, for example, if you say, hey, I don't know, X, X dollars an hour is, is the rate for blended for everyone in the company, you can then actually say, okay, well, if I use that as the estimate, I've saved about this many hours of time. And thus, I've saved this much money for the company. And that's an okay estimate. People will respect that. That's not, that's not a thing, as, as Ilya, again, answered before I started answering them. Um, you should have answered all these questions, Ilya. <laughs> this is, 
what what is the current job scenario for the developer having less than five years of experience? Good. Uh, it depends, but it, it varies. I mean, if you have less than five years of experience, it also depends on what your experience is in um, and what you've done with the five years. I mean, five years is still enough time or even less, like, you know, three or four. It's still enough time, depending on what you've been doing, to have amassed some some learning. Uh, so that's actually more, it just depends on what you've been doing with the five years. And, and in fact, I would say that goes for any number of experience. It, it, it's It's both a combination of what you have, what you, how many years of experience you have and what you've done with that experience. We've all dealt with what we call typically the 10 years of one year of experience kind of thing where mm -hmm. there hasn't been any growth, you know, or anything like that. And that handicaps you, you know, versus, Hey, look, if someone's been doing three or four years and it's been at a fairly significant growth pace, meaning like there's a lot of stuff you've explored and gone through, that's a very different opportunity. Um, you know, obviously for example, um, let's see here. Uh, Leonardo, I feel sad about me too. Um, I think the reason is so bear, sorry, I'll read the full question. I feel sad about the lack of PHP job opportunities. PHP depends on where you are. It's in more common use in the States, <clears throat> definitely down the West coast in Canada. There are places that do PHP, but it is not as commonly used of a language. Um, that that's just the reality of where Vancouver is at as a unit. Generally, you have either enterprise companies who shy away from anything other than Java or .NET uh, just because of the size from an enterprise standpoint and support. And then you have startups that and startups are where you will occasionally find PHP for a server technology. I would definitely encourage you, though, regardless of PHP. I mean, if you enjoy PHP and you love doing PHP, you will find a job in PHP. I would always advise. And that's not not because of PHP. If if you're was if you were feeling sad about the lack of say Python or Ruby or whatever opportunities, I would still advise you to get into some part of the client side stuff as well from a web developer because it just makes you a broader a senior engineer professional. Gene asks, how do you see professionals that are migrating from developments to DevOps or integrating DevOps in the job? I think that's great. <laughs> that's a clear. It's a clear need. In fact, we interviewed one person who probably at some point when we move into more DevOps stuff, we're going to probably give them a call. <laughs> there, there's a job we as we told them at the time, that's there's a there's a point here where we're going to probably go into this and we'd like to talk to you. Then. Um, I, I think that it's great. I think it's a needed thing. I, companies definitely need it. I have numbers of companies who ask me, for example, your recruiters who ask me, hey, do you know anybody who's doing this? It's good mm -hmm. to know. That that's an increasing that's an increasing part of the field. It's a good thing for develop engineers to be aware of it anyway. Alvaro Alvarez asks, is it possible to join those two branches, developer and manager, across our careers? Of course. Um, I've gone from I've gone back and forth between in my career being a manager and being a principal software engineer. Both involve some level of leadership. It just depends on the nature of that leadership. Sometimes that's leadership through examples and code and architecture. Other cases that is managing the personal growth track of people and also determining the technical direction of a company. Um, I think it depends. One thing that I encourage everybody, and you will get this question from me um, when we talk, is what you want to do beyond senior engineer. You should give some thought to it. There's a number of resources. I'm just gonna write some stuff down here for notes for what I need to send to Ilya. In terms of talking about staff engineering, um, and management and understanding the difference between the two. Um, you can do whatever you want. The truth is in these in these situations, there's always going to be, until you are a director, when you get to director or VP level and, and in a large company, you're doing less code, but it's good to have that technical expertise. Apple talks about this a lot. We don't hire, for example, we don't hire anybody into a manager role at Rocketplace without them having being an engineer first, right now, at least right now. 
and we wouldn't hire a manager who didn't have a coding background. Some people hire managers without coding background, we don't. Uh, it's important that a manager here is able to be an active contributor and understand understands the language. Speaking of communication, that's the kind of communication we don't want, is someone who has no, no idea how to understand a code concept. And if I go to them and say, hey, we need to use memoization in React, they're like, oh, you know, like that's that's not a helpful management piece because they're just a middle manager. Hmm. Bashir, um, do you believe the company should hire based on the experience, but rather any specific language? I feel I can learn coding in any language within just two weeks. You probably can. Uh, I think anybody can learn the, the root of a language within two weeks. The issue is that in many cases, you will explore things as you start coding in the language that the documents don't tell you and the learning tutorials don't touch on. Um, just offhandedly, for example, we had the Apollo framework, which powers graph, which is a very popular GraphQL framework, has a number of gotcha issues when you get very deep into concepts like server-side rendering, things like that. You are not going to find those in the tutorial. You probably not, you may not even, you will find them as you start building a real app. When you build real apps, you run into these problems. Same thing with iOS, same thing with whatever. You learn a lot about the language because of the things you need to build with it. So you can learn, I, I definitely agree. You can learn, I, I hire based on experience in the sense that I look for general engineering concepts and those are indicative in whatever code you write. If you write, if you're gonna write poor code in C Sharp, you're not gonna write awesome code in JavaScript. That's, I've never ever seen someone write abysmal code in one language and great code in another. They either write poor code in all languages or great code in all languages. So to answer your first question, yes, I think that coding in any language is more the case of the gotchas that you wanna be dealing with, that kind of thing. Uh, let's see here, blah, blah, blah. Scala, TDD forever, yes. Thank you to, to Lev, good, good, you're a good, good person. Is Scala preferred more than Python? Scala, Scala, I can't remember the pronunciation. But look, I'll be open, I love Scala. Um, I wouldn't say it's preferred more than Python. You will get opportunities in Scala. Um, I definitely, like I have my own link. Like if any of you have Prolog, <laughs> Prolog or Lisp experience, I'll probably talk to you just on the basis of having that uh, because to me, that's just a language nerd point for me. Um, I wouldn't say it's preferred more than Python. There are definitely opportunities you can have with Scala 2 if that's where you wanna focus your time. I, I certainly wouldn't say that's a bad idea to focus on it for sure. Uh, let's see here. How did the current pandemic affect the hiring process? Uh, mostly for us, it just affected whether we could have people in, in person. Um, we actually did, I mean, we, funny enough, I mean, we did half of uh, our first hire, which was through VanHack, half of it in person and half of it remotely, uh, simply because she was off in Germany. Um, so our, our actual hiring process hasn't really changed. From a remote work standpoint, I actually have worked remote for the last 12 years until, and it, when I came onto Rocket Place, it was one of the first times I had been doing full-time in-office work. So I was very used to it. Vinod, our CTO, when he when he came in from Zenefits and brought Zenefits to Vancouver, he was working remotely effectively till they had an office. So we're all very experienced with it. So it wasn't really as hard. An, it was more of a hard adjustment for our California team because they were not used to working remote at all. Um, and they were concerned that our productivity would flag and things like that, and it didn't. Uh, but that's that's it for everybody else. I think it's been a bigger adjustment because they're not used to that and they're not prepared. So it's a lot of getting used to things like this, talking through Zoom, being able to over communicate because once you're not in the office all the time, you don't get the benefit of like a water cooler style conversation. Are there things, Rahul asks, are there things you cringe about or dislike about other senior engineers? <laughs> what a loaded question. 
are you a product manager? Uh, so <laughs> I think that I think that in this case, uh, I, it's not that I dislike. I think that depending on the engineer, and I would say irrespective of level, uh, some engineers tend to be too focused on too focused on the the code and not enough on the empathy of the other stuff around. For example, being able to many engineers will be like. I don't get why we're working on this right now, blah, blah. I would work on, we don't have this here. Like we're, that's just not a convert style conversation, but I've had it at other organizations. You know, I don't know why we're working on this at all. This is dumb. And I'd be like, have you ever asked them why, why this is there? No, I didn't. I don't care. You know, I think that kind of like, there's a, there's a, some, sometimes uh, there is a level of passive aggressiveness or a need to focus on numbers versus feel. And that, now I understand that as an engineer myself, I too want to have very quantitative, direct analysis and data for every decision that's made in a company. But I recognize that that's not always the case. Um, let's see here. I'm an electronics engineer, but I've been making software all my life. Any tips for the one who is trying to be hired in Vancouver? I, I think if you've been making, I actually, my brother-in-law was an electronics engineer who was making software and then he ended up getting a job in software because uh, he was just doing excellent code and he got, he got through to a number of people and was, was able to show his work. Um, I think if you have stuff that you can demonstrate from your working, if you've been making software all your life, I, there are some things that either what I would do, um, and this still goes for everybody here. I, I don't, I'm not necessarily the subscriber to here, throw a bunch of stuff on GitHub necessarily. Uh, what I would do is have something sometimes if you, especially if you want to demonstrate proficiency in a language, have something that you can walk through with somebody and offer to walk them through it. I will, for example, if you go to me and say, I've built something significant in JavaScript and Python, or whatever, I and you want to show me it, even though you don't have professional experience in the two, I will happily go take the time to go through that that with you, potentially sometimes in lieu of an assignment uh, to be able to evaluate how you'd fit in. I, I think that's really that also shows initiative, obviously, and that you've been building this stuff. That gives a lot of confidence to an organization. Juan asks, do you have any advice over better study for a diploma or a bachelor? You know what? This really depends on the company. Like from a scholastic perspective, the my main mentors in the field, all three, three or four of them have had no bachelor. I have a bachelor of science, computer science degree. Uh, my three mentors, on the other hand, who are fantastic, greatest software engineers of all time kind of level, like some, some of them just like on, on a level that's somewhere I can't comprehend on a human scale, none of them went to school. We uh, went to post-secondary school, to be accurate. I think it depends. Um, some companies are really anal about that. Obviously, listen, when you're, when you're emigrating, that helps. I will say, however, though, there are in the uh, labor market uh, plan, there is a marker for whether the, whether the role needs a computer science degree. And for example, for our first hire, we said, no, that is not required. And a company will be able to justify your presence on that regardless. That's exactly what I did. Uh, when I did, I just said, hey, look, I've screened out this many people. Um, I have, as a result of this, I know that this person is in a very verified class. Like I'm gonna be doing this forever. And I want to benefit, most importantly, the company should be able to say how this benefits Canada by you coming along. Um, what was it here? I'm full stack PHP developer, Bashir. I am a full stack PHP, and sorry, anytime we're out of time, uh, Ilya, you let me know, and then I'll just cover the rest. Um, no, I, I, it's up to you. I'm just yeah, no, you... I'll get through as much of this as possible. Let's do another there. five minutes, maybe. Sure. So, okay. I am full stack PHP developer. I'd like to switch my career to Node.js. How easy is it to get jobs since I do know most of JS? I still didn't get a chance to work on a real world app. Two things, Bashir. Uh, one was I would probably look for a. I mean, obviously, just from a pragmatic principle. Obviously, I think you you ideally want to look for a place that has both PHP and JavaScript and express your interest in 
being able to move more into the node side because that will make you both product productive on both stacks of their organization. There are a lot, of, there are a number of ones that are doing both PHP and node. Um, I think I'm trying to remember, I know there are a couple of Van Hack companies, for example, offhandedly that, that do this. Um, in terms of knowing most of Node.js, what I would do is similar. I think what you could do is play, like, I, I, and I understand these things are investments of time as, as everything is in our careers. Um, I think, I think there is nothing stopping anybody from being able to work on a real world app, quote unquote, in spare time, even if it's just a concept, even if you're doing it explicitly to say, this is a concept discussion or whatever else. Like I had this experience when, uh, on a mentoring, there's a mentoring site that I was a mentor for. And the interview process normally was a technical assignment. I just said, Hey, I built snake and react. Can I show you the code and talk about it? Will that make it easier? And they said, yes, this is fantastic. And it was easy. Does COVID have any impact on the number of people immigrants companies hire? Actually, it does, but it's mostly because the government obviously has made it harder as a result, which Ilya has thankfully been championing. Thanks to thanks to you guys have Ilya to thank for that. In terms of being able to make the process a little bit easier, we had a delay of like I don't know how many months bringing somebody on. Uh, it, be, bringing somebody on full t in a full time employment capacity, we hired them contractually. But it took it took a number of months, especially in the throes of it. It's getting a little bit easier, but obviously that 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 impact is there, and we see that both in Canadian immigration numbers and in hires and numbers of that too. What's eligible for web developer learning? How can I qualify? That that probably would be the same thing that I've talked about before in terms of I would I would definitely just focus on J JavaScript at first and then be able to build a single page app. Um, in general, do you experience anything peculiar behavior, behavioral in software engineers versus other professionals? No, you know what? Every every profession is peculiar in its own way. I mean, if you deal with account, like I think accountants are fairly peculiar and I think salespeople are fairly peculiar, but salespeople would think engineers are very peculiar. I think I think every different career has its own has its own quirks that allow you to be successful in that field. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't view it too peculiar. Like if I'm looking at it versus professionals, it's very tough for me to evaluate what's more peculiar or not. Um, Fayez, uh, what do you think about dedicated DevOps personnel? Yes, no, uh, develop, I do, I actually think both. I think in a small company, developers take up that responsibility collectively. At, at a later point in the company, someone else maybe takes that on who is dedicated to that at the time where that needs a full-time resource. Like right now in Rocket Place's time, we don't need a full-time DevOps person. There will obviously be a time where we need a full-time DevOps person. That's just the nature of company growth. Uh, another question about scale up preferred over Python, how important is DevOps or data engineers? Again, scale is great. Uh, it's fine too. It's not that it's preferred. It's just that Python tends to be with NumPy and a lot of the libraries for it tends to be the platform of choice. How important is DevOps for data engineers? I, I, you know what, I, I wouldn't say the two intersect strictly. Like a lot of data engineering is very specifically focused. I mean, you could have a crossover for that, but that's a rare crossover. Um, <laughs> Israel Pereira, that I'm, I'm just highlighting that to take that with me. Thank you. That is an incredibly flattering comment, and I very, very much appreciate it. Uh, Pradeep Hudakar, is there a good school for senior software developers and data scientists? Yes. And data scientists in the Canadian tech market? For certain. Yes, there is. Um, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of people looking, clearly. Um, that's that's Van Hack's evidence of that. I'm a full stack.NET developer, as she asks. How easy is it to get a job in.NET? Um, for any .NET job, if you're a full stack.NET developer, um, if you're asking about what the opportunities are like here, um, there are a number of companies that do .NET work. 
um, in the in the startup sector. There are a number of government organizations also that do this kind of thing as well. Uh, so I think I don't think that's actually a problem. I mean, obviously, it depends on what you want to do with your career. If you want to do .NET, then yeah, there are lots of opportunities. Um, Manthan asked, do you think Angular is shaping up to be a solid framework, which requires a lot of learning curve? Um, I think Angular and React both require learning curves. Um, I've dealt with both. And there are very different flavors. I won't get into the technical nerdery of that right now. I think most of you have dealt with one or the other and know some of the differences. Um, I think both are solid frameworks. I think they're just different philosophies. Angular is very you know, guided uh, effectively where you are dealing with um, you know, very, very strong principles and practices right out of the box. You know, there's a, there's a strong convention in Angular already. React doesn't have that convention. You need to, at that point, it's still important to form one, but React lets you do kind of whatever you want. I think they're both solid frameworks. Um, clearly, I mean, m almost every financial institution I know has bet on Angular as a front-end framework or Ionic, you know, from a mobility perspective, which by the way, that's the other reason why I emphasize JavaScript a lot, because, in the a lot of mobile development aspects, a lot of companies choose things like React Native or Ionic for Angular, which really are built on J JavaScript. That's why it ends up being an important uh, important language. Uh, when asked about how much salary I'm expected, what should be told? This varies with company. You should you should be asking for what you expect. I would do some research on what like there's some there's some re resources out there in terms of what the current salaries are for engineers, um, which I can share, I can share here too. Um, and, and then use that as a baseline for what you think is appropriate. I mean, it's different for different company situations, obviously. Like if you are dealing with like, let's say a 300 person company or whatever else that's hiring, the salary may be very different than it is for say a five person startup that's based on this running off of, you know, funding and is paying money, but maybe not be able to pay a premium. You know, that's a different, uh, a different, uh, um, set of situations, right? You want to be able to make sure you're not, you know, killing the company with your salary. Um, but I would do the research on that. That's really important because you want to negotiate for yourself too, you know, and you want to know, I'm not, no one's going to take like companies that are in van hack likely are not going to be taking advantage of you. You know, that kind of thing. You want to make sure that you're negotiating from a good position and that you're being paid fairly. That's important. And that a company is open with you about its own salary bands if it needs to be that kind of thing. Sheldon, I have learned React Node.js on my own because my workplace is predominantly JavaScript. Yeah, as far as building my resume and applying for React and Node jobs, how would I structure my resume? I would highlight, so there's a couple of things. I would highlight the fact that this is what you're interested in. I would highlight the successful software projects you've done just in general, in terms of, again, with the impact you've had. And then I would ideally build towards being able to say, I have some things that I want to talk to you. you know, for example, I have projects that I'm willing to walk through code. Pri you don't need to put it on GitHub. You can walk through it privately with somebody, but that's what I would do. Uh, let's see, do you think no degree is a deal breaker? No, I don't. Uh, I don't think that at all. Um, and I don't, I don't evaluate that way. And most companies do not um, evaluate that way. Uh, there, is a, there is a reality that you know, in terms of immigration, sometimes that's help more helpful but it is not a deal breaker whatsoever. I mean, we've hired somebody who didn't have a degree and worked out just fine, uh, both in terms of their own productivity and them being in Canada. Our yeah, certificate, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, just gonna jump in on that. The, the, mm -hmm. the degree does not matter. Um, if you have letters of reference uh, of work experience, that should be fine for, for immigration purposes and companies usually don't, don't really pay too much attention to that. Um, and also, I just I just want to be conscious of time. We we are uh, half an hour over. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, this was an epic Q and A session, an epic webinar.
In fact, uh, I just got a question from somebody here saying, are you coming to the Daily Orbit today? <laughs> Which is our, our meeting. So let me just take quickly, I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer any further here, but what I'm going to do, I just want to grab everything that was here. Is that Matthew from your team? Is yes, it is. Yeah, that's Matthew from Rocket. Place. That's Matthew from Rocket Place actually asking, <laughs> are you coming to the meeting today? <laughs> Great so question, cool. Matthew. That's lovely. You know, I think that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what I've, what I've done is I've taken a list of the questions up to the point that I answered. Um, I will send a set of answers to Ilya sometime today, along with a couple of the resources I talked through. It was lovely spending the time with you guys today. I'm glad to hear so many people, so many people here have gotten something out of it. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure and an honor for me to spend this time both with Van Hack and with you. Um, and I wish all of you the best in your experience coming to the greatest country in the world. Thank you so much, Justice. Um, I think everyone here agrees. Uh, this was, this was fantastic. And, uh, Maybe we'll have to do round two sometime in the new year. That sounds um, fantastic. That's awesome. Have a great day, everyone. I guess this. Okay. Uh, hey, guys. So uh, you're stuck with me now. <laughs> uh, I just want to quickly say thank you so much for being part of that HackCon so far. It's been a lot of fun. Um, this is the last webinar I'm actually going to do. We might have one extra bonus webinar next week, so keep an eye out for that. But uh, we do have one more webinar, I believe, uh, for for Van Con, which is tomorrow, uh, same time as this one, about adopting, uh, you know, adapting to the 20, 21st uh, century programming uh, skills. And that webinar will be with uh, uh, to, to a Van Hacker and someone from our team. Um, and last thing I'll say is, guys, uh, Van Hack Premium Black Friday ends tomorrow. Um, I highly recommend everyone just give it a try. If you don't like it, get 29 days of free English class and ask us uh, for a refund. We'll give you 100% of your money back in the first month. Um, and you know the, the investment, I think, is a pretty small one compared to the benefit of you, you know, potentially getting a high-paying job in a great country that you want to move to. Um, and yeah, um, if you guys have any other questions, please ask us in the Van Hackathon Slack. Um, hope you enjoyed this. Tell your friends about Van Hack, please. Uh, people always ask, how do I, you know, they, they say thank you. How do I help you at Van Hack? The best way to help Van Hack is to tell the best developers that you know <laughs> about Van Hack or the best, uh, you know, t tell your friends. I'm just kidding about the best developers. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, tell tell all, the, all, all the people who want to come uh, get hired abroad in Canada, Europe, remotely. Uh, we, we have jobs. Uh, we had five Van, five Van Hackers hired in the last couple of days. The market is back, companies are hiring again, and we want to help you get hired just like we did with Marcelo and Andre and a few other people who are here hanging out with us on the webinar. Um, so yeah, have a fantastic day, night, wherever in the world you guys are. Thank you again so much for being here. Um, and we're you know, we're here to help. So please, please reach out to us and, and if you have any questions. All right. Bye, bye Anna, bye Andre, bye JP, Bashir, uh, Hugo, uh, Andre, everyone. Take care. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to the Van Hack Podcast. Make sure to create your account at vanhack.com to access jobs that are hiring from abroad.